2: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'd be one of my friends. i just trying to make you some money. My job isn't just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. From far away, this market looks like a beautiful patch of grass. But when you get closer, you realize that this lawn's full of weeds and dead grass and bugs and golf ball. Okay, this is what the market is really about. Not this, but this. See how the averages rallied again today. Dow inching up 47 points. S&P advancing 0.32%. The NASDAQ gaining 1.06%. The precious little NASDAQ over here. But almost three-fifths of the stocks in the S&P 500 are actually down for the year. We're in new high territory because of the other two-fifths that are up a lot. In fact, today's strength was almost entirely from technology stocks. That's pretty incredible. And the lack of breath here explains a lot more about how the real economy is doing. Here's the real economy. The truth is the weeds are more representative than the healthy patch of lawn. In many ways, it's getting worse, not better as the weeds begin, I think, to infect the nice part. But when you look at the whole S&P, you can't see the weeds. See, they're obscured by a handful of huge tech companies with big gains. Who wants to talk about the other 291 stocks that are down for the year? When you can focus on the incredible runs in Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, Facebook, Alphabet. It's a lot more fun talking about Tesla up 378%, then talking about GM or Ford, down 27 and 21% respectively. Tesla's not a small company. It's got about 50,000 employees. But Ford and GM are more important to the economy because they employ many more people, even if their combined market capitalization is now much, much smaller than the fabulous (laughs) stock that is Tesla. I know I keep harping on this idea that we can't see the damage COVID is doing to the economy because the hurt is so concentrated in small businesses that don't trade. Many smaller retailers simply can't pivot to the web fast enough. And even if they could make that pivot, it still might not even be enough to save them by this point. Now, look, I love Facebook, Etsy, Square, PayPal, Shopify, all of which are in this gorgeous patch of grass right here, okay? Uh, Because they've all gone uh, all in to helping small business go digital. But this is not a problem that can be solved by the free market. No more than the free market alone can beat COVID. Without more stimulus from the government, many of these smaller operators are are destined to go under. Unfortunately, more stimulus doesn't any, anymore seem to be in the cards, and it was so close. The Republicans and Democrats couldn't come up with a deal before Congress went on a recess, and I think the faction within the GOP that hates deficit spending will feel emboldened after seeing this week's blowout numbers from Target, Walmart, Lowe's, and Home Depot. They're not focused on whether the economy is going to slump now that the last round of stimulus has run out and back-to-school season is weaker. They're saying enough is enough. And you know what? The last round of stimulus absolutely would have been enough if this were... A normal downturn. But there's nothing normal about it. Everything's been turned upside down. You know, there used to be this thing called the lipstick index, which measured consumer spending. Worked great because sales of lipstick would spike as women look for a cheaper way to feel extravagant in a downturn. Good business in a downturn. But who the heck buys lipstick when you need to wear a mask all day? Who'd risk going to a department store to try one lipstick or any other form of makeup in the middle of a pandemic? Not many people, which is why the incredibly well-run Estee Lauder Had a tough quarter. We have a bizarre situation where some companies are doing very well, and now you can always remember them, through these blades of grass, okay? But a lot of other companies are getting crushed because the staff was able to pick up some—I asked them for some weeds. It's like, this place is so well manicured. This is the only weed they can find. So tonight I want to ignore the healthy grass and focus on all the weeds, the stocks of the S&P, that aren't working at all. When you focus on the 10 of the worst performers in the S&P 500, well, what do we see? Well, you know, some of it's pretty darn obvious. Remember cruising? Yes, cruise ships, oils, pipelines, retailers, airlines, real estate investment trusts, that own office space, and banks. Hmm. When you think about it, maybe that's not such a big divide between Wall Street and Main Street. After all, Wall Street knows all these industries are in trouble. the real divide is between digitization and everything else. We always get caught up in arguing about whether this is a U-shaped recovery in the economy or a V-shaped recovery or an L-shaped recovery or a W-shaped. Earlier this week, I said we had a fabulous V-shaped recovery in the stock market, but not the economy. Nothing close to that, the economy. That actually made news. After looking at the weeds, though, I think we need to rethink the whole terminology. It, it, it's, it's not those letters. No, it's, like a, it's like an entire alphabet of pain. One letter is not enough. See, for instance, if you work or had a job at Norwegian Cruise or Carnival, the two West performers in the SP, down 73 and 71%, you aren't feeling a V or a U or even a W-shaped recovery. You're feeling a T economy straight down after being flat. If you're an Occidental Petroleum, the third worst performer, down 67%, well, you know what you're in? You're in a Y economy, as in why would you be so stupid as to double down and pay a fortune for Dark Petroleum right when oil was rolling over? If you own Cody, the beauty brand that's down 66%, or Kohl's down 62%, you're in the M economy, meaning every time you think you're going to go up, you get pushed right back down. And if you work for United Airlines off 61 percent, American off 56 or Delta off 53, you're in a C economy bottoming. But you're not going to be able to close that gap anytime soon. Not going to happen. Oh, how about Simon Properties, the biggest owner of mall properties with a stock that's fallen 56 percent? Well, I call that an X economy. Both lines grounded down because Simon's trying to get out of their deal to double down on Talbman, another mall owner that they decided to acquire before the pandemic. Time is everything. Finally, there's. Wells Fargo, down 56% for the year, where you were hoping and praying we would merely have an L-shaped economy for them. Uh, and not something worse. Well, you know, maybe it's a sagging L. Maybe it's someone with really bad handwriting. Once you go through all the decliners, you realize this is a tale of two cities market. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. The pain from COVID is not totally isolated to small, medium-sized businesses that simply don't trade publicly. There are a lot, a lot of larger businesses experiencing their own terrible cycles of pain. The market is full of losers. They're just not big enough to offset the strength of the tech stocks that are making a fortune right now. So what has to happen? Well, it's easy to say, don't worry about it, right? Or one day we'll get a vaccine in the interim, just let the weeds grow. They're not going to be big enough to take over the whole lawn, Right. But, you know, I, I did feel that way for a long time, but it's beginning to look to me like a mistake. Because while the winners represent more capital, the losers represent a heck of a lot more jobs. And if you want the economy to rebound from recession, those jobs need to be protected. Unemployment in this country is too high. It's too high, period. These 10 performers are just examples. There are 281 other losers in the S&P with similar characteristics, and they desperately need more stimulus. In the end, a weed-choked patch of ground signals that the economy is not going to follow that V-shaped recovery that we're seeing in a handful of huge tech names and big box chains, the V-shape that everyone's hoping for. Now, there's some other green here that's not crabgrass, the bull market in housing. That's for real. I'm not telling you if those stocks roll the new high list, okay? I think stocks like Whirlpool doing really fabulously, that could be a sleeper there for you, okay? I mean, it's kind of like a running back you get in the fifth round that actually gets you a lot of TDs. I'm thinking fantasy. Uh, or Stanley Black & Decker's real good. You always see uh, uh, Stephanie Link recommend that one. I like Sherman williams a PPG, at upside surprise. There's FinTech. I mean, who doesn't love PayPal or Square? But the bottom line, see, when you get down into the weeds of this market, what you see is that there are a lot more losers than there are winners. That's the nature of the COVID economy. And now that there's no one in Washington willing to play Gardner. Maybe it is only a matter of time before the weeds overrun the entire patch. Joe in California, Joe. Booyah, Jim, from the sweltering Mojave Desert. Uh, oh my, my hey, daughter Jim, went there a couple a years ago. It was 112. How you holding up?
3: Yeah, <laughs> we're living through it it's not too bad All right. hey, I'm looking at a value stock that could get some m- m- momentum behind it they got new blood on the board and they put up earnings next week my girlfriend hates these stores but my question is should I love them the, not- the stores are big lots ticker symbol B- hey your I-C. girlfriend's
2: right those stores are hideous but you know what they got some smart people trying to turn that thing around I think you're okay as a matter of fact if it even goes down you actually buy more because there's a lot of people circling that thing saying come on we can do better so I like that. And I'm glad you have that aspect about the heat. Some people in California, just it's like, tell me to go to fire.com on Reddit. I'm trying to figure out what Reddit is, Little on fire. Oh, okay, let's go to Bruce in California. Bruce.
4: Bruce in California. Hello. How I also entered the brokerage industry in 1982. With the buyback, what is your outlook on Intel? Thank you.
2: Okay. Intel buys back stock. NVIDIA dreams dreams of what can happen in the future. Intel counts pennies. NVIDIA prints billions of dollars in transistors. Sell Intel buy NVIDIA. Let's go to David in California, please. David!
4: Hey, Jim. uh, I know the market's fallen out of love with brick-and-mortar retail, but uh, prior to COVID, Nordstrom had been investing in their digital presence and out-of-mall strategies with their Nordstrom locals.
2: They're a love brand, and they can fulfill their online orders from their stores. Mm -hmm. Heading into earnings next week, what do you think? Ping! Yeah, a lot of pain. I mean, it's like Kohl's. You know, Coles was so happy that, I mean, the Kohl's comps was like, see, we're okay. We have some cash. We have Kohl's cash and we have cash. And wow. And I think that Nordstrom, maybe it goes up a couple of bucks and then it's, the pain starts all over again because they are brick and mortar in an era where people don't want to go to brick and mortar. All right, when you get into the weeds of this market, there are a lot more losers than there are winners. So you know what? You got to tread carefully when you walk on the economy. On man, Money tonight, Salesforce just announced it's extending its work-from-home policy in July 2021. I'll talk about the... You have bugs in this thing? I'll talk about the implications for the overall market, then how a leather jacket and a dream have made Nvidia what Intel was in the 90s. And at a time when millions of people have been forced to work remotely, could it be worth circling back to ping identity? I've got the exclusive, so stay with Kramer.
5: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question?
2: even supposed to tell what matters anymore. I mean, <laughs> take this week. OPEC's got oil prices constant 42. Important? I don't know. That's where most U.S. producers can survive. Four gigantic retailers reported to tell earnings. Fed may be weaning us off credit binge. Democrats not Biden. But honestly, you know what the biggest story of the week was for me? The one that shocked me the most was something that most people didn't even bother to notice. At 4 or 3 p.m. yesterday, right after the close, a headline broke. One line. Salesforce extends work from home period until July 31st, 2021. Maybe it made me think, hey, they're just being cautious. Remember who runs Salesforce, though? It's Mark Benioff. He understood COVID better than any other executive in Silicon Valley, maybe in the entire country. He has the most popular site, Work.com, to help companies reopen safely. He was the first to call for a chief medical officer rather than leaving this key issue up to an overwhelming human resources department. He's been the biggest advocate of wearing masks, something I can attest to personally because he joined me in our mask contest where more than 600 teams from over 50 countries are competing to design a more wearable mask. There's a million dollar prize. Check out XPRIZE.org slash MASK to participate. Benny, I've hoped that widespread adoption of masks will cut down the number of new cases dramatically. So when you see Salesforce saying, actually, let's keep working from home until next August, it's pretty discouraging. Or at least discouraging if you are, let's say, uh, not in the business of making so there's a home office. Here's these implications. First, if you know you won't be returning to office for nearly 12 months more and market some of the most beautiful offices in the world, then you better believe that you will have to build an office at home. So now if you live in the suburbs, that's no problem. But maybe you convert a bedroom or a den. If you live in a two-bedroom apartment in a city, well, guess what? X urban time, you're moving out. Most older homes don't have great office setups, so if you move to the suburbs, you might be tempted to buy a newer one because home builders are putting them in. If App's right, the whole counter-urban timeline just sped up dramatically. Second, if you thought Zoom video was done going higher, think again, Zoom. We know Salesforce is trying to get large deals done. Before the pandemic, that meant meeting potential clients in person. You got on a plane, you got the deal done. These days, you have to do it all from home. That's Zoom. Next year will be likely to really be incredible when we make the leap to 5G. You might not even notice how seamless the transition will be. Third, if the stay-at-home economy lasts through next July, the airlines are in big trouble. They can't fully recover without business travelers. That's where the real money is. And Salesforce is effectively saying, don't bet on a rebound in business travel. Don't be so quick to pull the trigger on the airline stocks. Fourth, cybersecurity is paramount. As long as we're stuck working from home, because hackers now have the run of the joint, we're in trouble. When you work remotely, you're at the edge of the network, and the edge is hard to protect, which is why I keep bringing on these cybersecurity companies. Fifth, we may all be sick of home cooking. Uh, by this time next year, we definitely will. be. But sorry, you better get used to it. The food stocks just got one more boost. Think PepsiCo uh, for snacks. Uh, think the pantry place. That B&G Foods, I thought was a pretty good story, Conagra. Kind of Six, the real estate investment trust that owned office buildings. Ouch! If Benioff sticks to a schedule, a lot of companies might not renew their leases. At the very least, they'll hold out for lower rents. Either way, the office suites are now uninvestable. Forget about chasing their high yields. There are less risky ways to get income. Finally, the longer we're stuck at home, the more people will remodel and re furnish and refurbish. That's great for at home. As we heard from last night, it's true for Wayfair. What a rocket. If you thought these stocks had peaked, think again. Listen, money managers are always trying to spot short-term fads to bet against them. The stay-at-home economy is supposed to be a fad. Yesterday, Salesforce told us it's not a fad. It's the new normal. If they're right, we're not even halfway through. And given Salesforce's track record on COVID, I expect many other companies to follow suit. Stick with Kramer.
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com/businessgoldcard.
2: Years ago I renamed my dog Nvidia And aside from a brief stretch near the end of 2018, I have never regretted that decision, although it's been a confusing experience for the dog formerly known as Everest. I've said over and over that NVIDIA is, to this decade, what Intel was to the 90s, a semiconductor company that's revolutionizing entire industries, one that's essential to the new world order in technology. Their chips power the data center, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and high-end video game graphics. I used to think NVIDIA owned the future. But that future is rapidly coming to present. And that's why we own the stock from my travel trust, which you can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. And that's why NVIDIA, my dog, has a pass to NVIDIA's spectacular Santa Clara headquarters. The company is doing great before COVID came to town. But the big story of the pandemic is that we've packed maybe five years of digitization into the last six months. So when NVIDIA reported last night, it should have come. No surprise. No surprise. They knocked it out of the park. That's what I predicted on Monday. Although I also warned you that the stock might fail to rally, if only because it had run so much. I mean, this thing was under $300 pre-COVID, and it is now in the 480s. And sure enough, the stock initially sold off in after hours trading, even though NVIDIA delivered a magnificent top and bottom line beat, even though their guidance for next quarter was substantially higher than Wall Street expected, even though the analysts climbed all over themselves to raise their price targets, Morgan Stanley, 507, JP Morgan, 510, Wells Fargo to 535, Opco to 550, Jeffries to 570, Needham to around 600. Even with all that, some clowns decided they had to sell the news. Yeah, yeah, they had to do that. See, they had to go buy it here yesterday when I was saying don't change it, and then they had to sell it here. Why? Because they're dumb as a bag. They're dumber than this beast which is really saying something. That's a very low bar. All right, they figured NVIDIA was priced for perfection, and while this quarter was absolutely stellar, it wasn't exactly perfect. The one fly on the ointment, NVIDIA's on-premises data center sales were widely seen as suboptimal. I mean, that's why people sold it first, but if you thought about this for more than like two seconds you would have realized the weak on-premises business is just the flip side of the company's incredible strength in regular data centers. See, when we talk about on-premises data centers demand, we mean data centers that companies operate at their own offices. And well, guess what? Have you thought about that? The offices are closed right now. But here's the thing, and this is why uh, the, the big reason why Nvidia stock turned around at 9.45 after we got the knucklehead Jimmy Cho after we got the ill-vised people out. Uh, the on-premises business is the past. Look at it like this. The opposite of on-premises is the cloud. Why build your own data center or your own office when you just use high-speed internet to connect to a gigantic data warehouse run by the pros? Serious companies don't even use on-premises software anymore. Why the heck would they invest in on-premises data centers when the cloud is so much cheaper, more efficient, and much able, much better to be able to get data from? We know that because when, when you stop focusing on this one little subdivision, you pick a union subdivision that no one should be focused on, the whole of NVIDIA's data center business was on fire. It was up One hundred 67% year-over-year, although some of that was due to the very smart Mellanox acquisition, which, by the way, they told us would close and many said wouldn't. Uh, It used to be almost a pure play on gaming. This company, they made the best graphics processors, and that was the whole story, not anymore. They realized years ago that you could use these same chips to provide computing horsepower in the data center. They are much faster and more powerful than traditional microprocessors, and this was the first quarter where the data center business was bigger than gaming. I was shocked that this happened. It, I didn't think it would happen for another year, maybe two years. All right, now, NVIDIA is a straightforward story. Data centers are the backbone of the cloud, and thanks to COVID, the cloud has gone into overdrive. There's nothing temporary about this. We are already in the middle of the fourth industrial revolution, the digitization of everything, and there is no going back. The pandemic has merely accelerated the transition and put a lot of distance between NVIDIA and everybody else. But I don't want to make it sound like this business just fell into NVIDIA's lap. No, they've been planning this for years under the leadership of 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 Jensen Wong. He's the company's visionary Renaissance Man CEO, the man with the leather jacket that I could never pull off myself, an underrated talent and a chief executive. Why does Nvidia pretty much own the data center now, along with AMD? Because they planned ahead and, more importantly, invested so heavily in innovation, in engineers, in brains. People don't talk enough about that. These guys have the smartest people out there. On the conference call, CFO Colette Kress, another brilliant NVIDIA, talked about their new chip, the A100, which boosts artificial intelligence performance 20-fold, 20-fold versus its predecessor. She described it as, and I quote, our first universal accelerator unifying AI, artificial intelligence training, and inference empowering workloads such as data analytics, scientific uh, computing, genomics, didn't even talk about that, edge video analytics, 5G services, and graphics. Now get this, you got to get your head around what I'm about to tell you. They can fit 54 billion transistors on this thing. The most on any semiconductor in history. Now, I have to tell you, when I first heard I said, well, I obviously heard this wrong. I was writing down the notes. And I said, I'm going to come out here and I'm going to say 54 billion, but I know it's probably 54 million. So I better check it out. So I called him. I said, guys, it's 54 million, right? Not billion. That's not possible. And they said, nope, it is with a B, 54 billion transistors. A huge part of this is artificial intelligence. NVIDIA has made itself essential for AI, something that's increasingly built into a lot of the cloud-based software. The big thing right now is deep learning, getting computers to understand actual speech or an inference or an entire text or a video, and then using that information to make recommendations to people in a correct fashion. As Wong points out, quote, there are trillions of videos on the web. You need ways to recommend them. Both the news and just the amount of information that is in true dynamic form require these recommenders to be instantaneous. End quote. And you see that always, The that recommender. That's a prompt. And these guys have the chips that make it so it works. The thing about all this deep learning stuff is that it requires a ton of horsepower. We've had huge breakthroughs in recent years, but to actually deploy these AI models, you might need 10 to 1,000 times more computing power, which means more processors from NVIDIA. And no one can touch them. It's not just the cloud. We know the pandemic's also been fabulous for gaming. People have nothing else to do. And if you, Well, I, I like to work. And if you want to play the best games on the best settings, you need the best hardware. And that's why NVIDIA's gaming sales are up 26% year-over-year. Year. Gaming is now the largest entertainment medium on Earth, and the largest gaming platform is the PC, which very much belongs to NVIDIA now. Game developers are going all in on photo-realistic graphics. Some of these games, honestly, they look better than reality at this point, and that means a lot of people need to upgrade to the next-generation graphics chips. I've been rapturous about how lifelike the figures video games look, But NVIDIA says we ain't seen nothing yet, which begs the question, can you actually make them look more real than reality? Wouldn't shock me if Jensen can make it happen. In short, it was a phenomenal quarter with phenomenal guidance. Not perfect. You also had some weakness in professional visualization and autos, both of which are being hit by the COVID-induced slowdown. Come on, there's some COVID out there. But they'll come back once we beat the virus. And in the meantime, NVIDIA's core end markets, the data center and gaming, are absolutely on fire. I think this stuff is worth keeping in mind, though. NVIDIA has a partnership with Mercedes to launch software defined, intelligent vehicles using NVIDIA's technology in 2024. I know it's not Tesla. It's just little old Mercedes, but I'll take it. It includes the latest autonomous driving features. while that's still a few years away, you've got to remember that these guys never stop thinking about the future. Speaking of the future, the company's holding a spe- a, a, an amazing, that's what I'm told, special event on September 1st, where there's going to be some surprise announcements related to gaming. That could be the next catalyst. I have only one problem with NVIDIA. The stock's had an enormous run. Frankly, I wish the idiot pajama traders had succeeded in knocking it down for a little bit longer because I wanted you to get a better entry point than I could give you this morning and squawk on the street, particularly since 19 firms boosted the price targets this morning. 19! That's the most I can ever remember seeing in unison in my 40-year career on Wall Street. Here's the bottom line. NVIDIA reported a blog quarter last night, and you had to pounce when the stock sold off because it quickly came roaring back. If you don't own it already, be prepared for the next dip. The next time NVIDIA comes down, you need to buy. Jack in
3: Ohio, Jack! Hey, thanks for taking my call, Jimmy. My pleasure. Hey, I love, I love Liam Outlook when he was on your show a few weeks ago. Hey, the stock has pulled back a little bit with Apple going in the opposite direction. Do you think it's okay to add
2: more at this time? And which stock? It's... Skywork. Oh, geez. It, yeah. Look, Liam Griffin... Is doing a phenomenal job, and periodically people doubt him. Periodically people think that he's not that he doesn't have the best 5G technology, and periodically people are just dumb as chowderheads, and that's when you got to pounce. This stock, which was a, it was a little bit higher, but you know, remember when we at 95 we loved it. At 65 we loved it, and get this: if you go back and look at the tape. We liked it at 5 when David Aldrich was the CEO. We've been behind Skyworks for 15 years, and we're not moving away. Let's go to Nancy in Florida. Nancy.
4: Hi, Kramer. Thank you for taking my call. Of course, Nancy. Oh, what's up? I absolutely love your show. I want to get your thoughts about Coherent. This stock has tumbled from my entry point of 170 back in January. I'm not sure if I should continue to hold this stock or if I should sell it. Well your you hearing will bounce back.
2: It's it's test and measurement, it's laser, it's voltaic. it's all the things that are so hard and that people they make it's too hard to own. Now, can we wait for a bounce? I don't know. I would sell some because this is an industry that's always rapidly in flux. That's why I never recommending and recommend anything in that segment. Right. You need to own the stock of Nvidia. The dog of Nvidia, he's 13, he's not doing that well. He's got a really bad cough that's nonstop. But that's, well, you have to hit, when you have a rescue dog, that's what you have to do. Next time this one comes down, you buy it. Much more man money hit with more hackers targeting home networks identity security has become even more critical. I'm eyeing PING identity to see how it can help. That internet traffic is up, I mean way up, and Akamai is cashing in on the trend. How is it tackling the work from home reality in its 22nd year I've got the CEO? An all calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round, so stay with Kramer. Is it time to circle back to PING identity? This is a cybersecurity play that came public last September. They handle identity and access management, like Okta or SailPoint Technologies that we just had on last week, at a time when millions of people have been forced to work remotely. Identity management is more essential than ever. Businesses need to ensure that people logging in from all over the place are who they say they are. So Ping has been a very good performer. The stock's up 40% since we last spoke to them roughly three months ago. However, in the last couple of weeks, the thing's been pulled back from its highs. Uh, First, there's that rotation out of the COVID winners. Then Ping reported a quarter that was good. But not great. While they delivered a solid top and bottom line beat with some major new deals, management declined to reinstate their full year guidance, as some companies are doing. And the forecast for the next quarter came in a little bit lighter than some of the analysts were looking for. Now, if management was simply being conservative, though, then it may make sense that the stock is now rebounding and you should get in on it. So could it have more upside? Let's check in with Andre Duran. He's the CEO of Ping Identity Holding. Find out more about his quarter and his company's prospects. Mr. Duran, welcome back to Man Money.
3: It's great to be here, Jim. Thanks for having me.
2: Okay, so Andre, uh, well, I got. Let's say we got kids, and we're paying eighty-five thousand dollars a year for them to go to college, and they're told, "Hey, listen, we're not going. We have an incident of COVID, and they're coming home, and they're taking classes online. How can I be sure that my kid is in? How can more importantly, the school be sure that everybody's paying and that people are who they say they are?" Yeah.
3: Jim, look, it's it's one of the biggest problems we have as a society today is really making sure that all of these uh, digital interactions we're having are taking place with the people that we think we're actually interacting with. So, I mean, it's, it's literally universal. And more than ever, we're doing everything online. We're doing telemedicine online. We're doing uh, re- remote uh, transactions, financial transactions with people. And it all breaks down if we don't know who we're talking to. So what Ping is focused on is making sure that we uh, provide the tools and technology for enterprises to serve their customers, uh, provide better experiences, to make sure that their employees who are now working from home can get access to the resources they need.
2: Well, I mean, what I think about is something that we left off with last time. I unfortunately didn't get much time to be able to talk about it, which is this concept. And I really love what you said is, is that you can't secure
3: what you can't identify. I mean, that's, that's
2: right. just that's common sense, correct?
3: Yeah, yeah that's right. It, it, it all starts there. It's, um, you know, it. it it kind of sneaks up on you a little bit. It's so obvious when you think about it. But we take a lot of identification uh, today for granted. And look, in the physical world, we as humans, uh, we've been designed to recognize people. In the digital world, you don't have any of the same uh, uh, cues that we had in the physical world. So we're, we're ultimately recreating in the digital world, all the mechanisms to provide an assurance that you're actually dealing with the person you think you're dealing with. And
2: because of this, it is a new problem. I thought it was very interesting in your most recent cops call. People were saying, well, who are you replacing? And you said, you're really replacing technology that's 15, 20 years old. It's not, anything, it's not somebody who's being ripped out that just got in a year ago.
3: Yeah, no, that's right. Uh, enterprises have been uh, doing identity-based security for some time, but it wasn't the center Of their security construct we we've lived in a world of big moats and even bigger walls kind of the castle philosophy of security put everything of value behind a wall and then somehow it's safe put the unknown bad actors on the outside presume that the good actors on their on the inside and you know everything's great but this world that we live in now um, doesn't respect those walls and those moats and everything of value is now outside so we need a new security paradigm we need one in which people can work from anywhere. Uh, we have a reality in IT that the applications we're accessing are, are in the data center. Uh, we're still accessing mainframes in large enterprises. We also have SaaS and cloud applications on the other side. We just wanna make it easy for end users to do their job. Authenticate once, get access to everything that you need access to. That's the new paradigm. And, uh, and that paradigm is all based upon strong identity.
2: Okay, now we've had a number of the companies on uh, that say they're kind of doing what what you're doing. Now, now 13 of the 15 largest banks are you, 7 of the 9 largest healthcare companies, 8 of the 10 of the largest biopharmas, 5 of the 7 largest retailers, they're all you. But you must work in conjunction with some other companies, because I know that we have too many of these other companies come on that also say they're doing the same thing, and yet it it looks like you have everybody locked up. That can't be.
3: (laughs) It's such a large market. As I said before, we're only securing everything and everyone, (laughs) everything and everyone. And so the truth is there are multiple market segments. It's different. Uh, The solution here looks different for the SMB market than it does in the large enterprise. Uh, There's nuances depending on which uh, identity type you're securing. Are we we securing uh, the workforce and employees? Are we securing partners? Are we securing customers? In the future, we're going to secure things. Uh, And the use cases of identity are actually pretty sophisticated. And um, so no one company can do it all. Uh, We tend to focus on the segment, the, the large enterprise. We serve 60 of the Fortune 100. These are big, complicated, hybrid enterprises that have really challenging problems. If identity doesn't work, the company doesn't run. I was actually just on with a large mortgage provider about an hour ago, and that was the quote. If Ping goes down, the whole company goes down. And so the needs of these large enterprises is fairly unique, and uh, and we've cut our niche in those large enterprises. Now, on the last
2: conference call, you did talk about how deals are, here uh, you, you say, some delays in deals. Now, that could be either because of, of COVID, or are they matching your pro- your programs against some other companies, and that's what's taking
3: longer? Well, we had seen the trend uh, really for years where our deals were getting larger. And uh, so every, every quarter towards the end of a quarter, we would have a percentage of our deals which were larger. Deals companies were making larger commitments to paying, which was fantastic. But you don't shut down the entire globe for a quarter. And have no impact. So the truth is, many of the enterprises we serve, and uh, we're, we're well diverse across all verticals, but the truth is many verticals are experiencing, uh, you know, uh, business slowdown as a result of everything shutting down. And as a result, as you would imagine, they have a lot of scrutiny on the projects. What's great is that they're moving forward with all of these projects. Um, we've just seen a trend in the last you know, five months or so where they're having to break the large projects up into phased projects. And right. so all of these companies are moving forward in a phased approach. But it does mean that once uh, where, where we might have enjoyed uh, some percentage of our deals being large deals at the end of the quarter. Now those large deals are being phased.
2: Fair enough. I know you've got plenty of business. And uh, sadly, I think you have made business for your sadly, point because everybody wants everybody else's identity. And I don't want anyone having my identity. I want to thank you so much to and- Andre Durani, CEO of Ping Identity. Good to speak to you so- again, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. May money's back at the break. It is time! It's time for the lightning round! And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Skid Daddy? It's time for the lightning round, Craig ribbon. Let's start with David in Illinois. David! Hey, Dr. Kramer,
4: how's your summer going?
2: David, it's been excellent, and how have you been?
4: I've been great. Jim, it's not the missing link, and it's not Sasquatch. It's Yeti!
2: I love Yeti. I'm not kidding. People have been short this thing against me since 16. And Dave, i got to tell you, Yeti's better than ever. It is such a good company, and the brand keeps getting extension and extension. I think Yeti is a good one. Always great to hear from you. Let's go to Tony in New Jersey. Tony! Hey, Jim. How you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? Good, good. Wondering uh, whether you think it's a good time to buy Under Armour
4: stock. You know, a lot um, of bad news has already been out on It's a on
2: heartbreaker. This thing is a heartbreaker. I mean... They still have to get that inventory under control. I am not going to tell you to sell Under Armour. I am going to say that I can't. I don't know. I've not lost faith. They do have a great mass division, too. I just can't get I'd rather have you buy Nike. Honestly, even up here, buy Nike. Let's go to Lee in Florida. Lee!
0: Hi, Jim Kramer. Booyah. Yes. We are. I'm asking you about NCIX. I can't find anything wrong. with But you know, they do like central great.
2: nervous system. They do anxiety, depression. That's a very hard area. Almost everybody fails at it. So I'm going to take a pass on that one. Let's go to Bo in Florida. Bo, booyah, Jimmy, coming to you live from Ponte Vedra, Florida. This stock looks like it's forming a nice cup going into earnings with good volume. What are your thoughts on UMA? Ticker symbol OO. Oh my, we have to go back to UMA because you know I liked it. It was, uh, but it's small business. So now I got to suddenly uh, double up. Because when it's small business, something I gotta worry. What can I say? Let's go to Rick in my home state of New Jersey. Rick. Hello, Jim. How you doing? I am doing well, Rick. How about you? We're getting ready to do some gardening. What's going on? All right, I got one for you here. It's uh, ticker CNTG. Sentagene. Oh man, that I don't. I don't even know if Santagene knows Sentagene. We're gonna have to do some homework. Maybe we bring on the good professor who runs Santa G, get a little more information. That's a little tiny point. Let's go to Tom in Pennsylvania. Tom. Jim, how are you? I'm doing well, Tom. How about you?
4: All right, thanks. Listen, I just wanted to know what you thought about Boeing. I look, I it. think you
2: hold Boeing. I think you hold Boeing. It's got to get better. Uh, with, look, there's there's a lot of good news coming for Boeing. Uh, I can't tell you to sell it anymore, but don't get excited about it because in the end, uh, all these airlines are in trouble because they're on the business travel. And there's way too many quarantines. How about Norma in New Jersey? Norma. Hi,
0: Tim. Norma
4: from Metuchen, New Jersey.
2: Metuchen? Holy cow. Hey! Right, right around the
4: corner
2: from you. Huh? Yep. Okay. I, I won a big I tournament don't... at St. Joe's there. Crutch the other uh, girls. If it's a uh, girls soccer team. Go ahead. What's up?
4: Uh, okay. I look forward to hearing your take on the market at my breakfast table each morning. And again, it's nighttime, time, Jim, so I hear you fight a bit. My question to you, what advice can you give me for the future of the stock B.J.?
2: That was an amazing quarter, B.J.'s. This has been an incredible stock. It came public to no fanfare whatsoever, and it has been nothing but net, and I think we'll continue to do so. I always like B.J.'s. I have, obviously am a Costco guy, but that quarter was really terrific, and the conference call was really excellent. Let's go to Josh in New York. Josh. Jimmy Yo, going? what's up, Josh?
4: Yo, big-time
2: fan, me and my father. I'm a new investor. Just read your book. Confessions Thank you. of a Street Addict.
4: I love it. I got to ask you about Bank of America and overall the banking industry. Okay, look, these COVID.
2: stocks are all in the crosses. They're, they represent uh, the small, medium-sized businesses. They literally are the, the way to look at them, and therefore I can't recommend them right now. We'll get close to the quarters, and then we'll make a decision. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the lightning round.
5: The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
2: Here's a question uh, people want. They want to know, is there a way to bet on the high-flying tech stocks that dominate the COVID era without giving yourself vertigo? without creating a lot of fear. Now, many of the COVID winners are expensive, unprofitable, and totally at the mercy of momentum traders. But not all of them. Take Akamai Technologies, the world's largest cloud-based content delivery platform. Now, I used to call these guys the fast lane on the information of Superhighway back before the cloud was even a concept. For companies that stream content over the web, whether we're talking video or gaming or mobile commerce or even smart manufacturing, Akamai makes it all run smoothly with a terrific built-in cybersecurity franchise to boot. And this company's been around for a long time. Akamai just turned 22 today. We know the business is on fire because they reported fabulous quarter three weeks ago. They're in the same industry as something like a Fastly, but unlike Fastly, Akamai is a profitable, established enterprise with a stock that sells for just 20 times next year's earnings estimates. This is a tech alpha with a 14% revenue growth, 30% earnings growth, yet it translates consumer packaged good stock. So even though the stock is up nearly 30% for the year, I think it's got more room to run. Do not take it from me. Let's dig deeper with Dr. Tom Layton, PhD, the co-founder and CEO of Akamai, To learn more about his how his company's doing, where it's headed, Dr. Layton, happy 22nd anniversary and welcome to the Man Money. Thank you very much. Great to be with you. Well, I've got to tell you, it is a joy to have you on because I remember when the company came public. I remember when it started, and of course, I remember because I started the street.com and I realized there's only one company that is really going to dominate this industry and it's yours. And here we are 22 years later and everybody else is pretty much gone and you're still here doing better than ever. So what's in the DNA to make it so that you could go 22 years?
4: Well, you know, we're unique in our edge platform, our ability to really do edge computing, uh, you know, on servers that are located in 4,000 places, close to the billions of end users uh, in 1,000 cities. So we really can deliver a, a great experience to end users, and we really can make it be secure. Okay, so uh, when we discover
2: COVID and we're shutting down all the retailers and all these companies have to go online and they've never been online and they have to deliver a, a product that makes it so you try
4: it at home virtually. Do they go to you and say, can you make this happen for us? Sure. You know, we work with pretty much all the world's major commerce companies, literally almost all. Uh, all the world's or almost all the world's major banks, and they've been customers before. Uh, but, uh, now it's more important than ever because as you noted, pretty much all their business is online now. Right now, uh,
2: uh, I watch every, and I'm a subscriber to every single NBA, MLB, NFL.com. Now in the old days, what we had Netflix and whether you did Netflix was what, what determined how outcome I was doing. I think these eat up a huge amount of bandwidth. Are they your
4: clients? Uh, We work with Netflix, but don't deliver the long form videos today. Uh, We're much more diversified today, so there's no single really large customer on our platform. We work with pretty much all the world's major brands, including the sporting events. Right, because I mean, I, I always they're remarkably fast.
2: And I'm wondering, come 5G, will we ever will we need a TV?
4: I, oh, you'll have a device always. Maybe it's not your traditional TV. I think uh, the devices are obviously changing. And I think 5G is a really exciting technology for the future, not just for watching video, but for the potential for the, all the IoT applications. Uh, and the whole paradigm of the web could be changing. You know, we already operate an IoT platform for, we have dozens of customers that are early adopters. The protocols there are all different than the web. And they're a lot more efficient. Uh, the paradigms are different. Uh, I think it's, that's an exciting part of the future is the, is the web evolves. Now, I know that uh, if we had
2: been six months ago, say before the pandemic, I would have talked to you mostly about this fantastic foray into security where you're the dominant security company, I believe, when it comes to uh, content delivery. But I've got remote work, home entertainment, e-learning, online banking, home delivery, logistics. I mean, these are all businesses that could
4: run for many years that just happened in the last five months. Oh, yeah. No, it's uh, there's definite tailwinds uh, here. And it's a good reason why our profits are up 30 percent year over year. Um, We're really pleased with our operating margins at 32 percent. And that enables us to have the firepower to continue to invest innovative new capabilities like we've done with security to propel the business forward in the future. Okay, so how about gaming? I, I was talking to NVIDIA last night. Almost everybody's doing a big
2: refresh. Hey, everyone, needs to down- to, everyone needs to download the stuff. That's going to be Akamai,
4: too, right? Yeah, we carry the large, large majority of all the software updates, uh, really, for all the major players around the world, and there is a lot of traffic there. There's no doubt about it. And, and of course, we help them manage it in a way that's you know friendly to the Internet. I, I think without Akamai, you'd have a really hard time doing that because we're unique in, in providing that update in the local neighborhood close to the end user so it doesn't clog up all the pipes in the core of the Internet. All right. Well, this is important because
2: I think there are a lot of people are still uh, the analysts seem a little high bound. I mean, they're, they're always talking about, well, hold it. Did they renegotiate a contract with the uh, with the top six? Was there something uh, in India that made it so they're small? they're not thinking big enough. I, if I didn't know Akamai was 22 years old, if I knew Akamai was 22 weeks old, I, I swear, sir, you're will be selling it three times what it's selling for. It's only because of the history that it's that it's such a
4: bargain and an opportunity. Yeah, I think that's true. You, you know, uh, there is a lot of potential for growth. And when you're at our scale, uh, it's you know, it's actually impressive how much, you know, we are growing at our scale and the profitability we have. You know, when you think about it, just in the last year, we've increased revenue more than the entire businesses you referred to earlier. Right, you take the right. entire business. And we've grown one of them just in the last year. Well, that's why I love your uh, stock
2: so much. And you know, I thought that Elliot was right. Mean, I, to me, it's the cheapest way to play this, but it's also the most sure, which is what I want. I want to thank Dr. Tom Layton. You're just great. Happy birthday, sir. Really great to see you on Mad Money. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, Dr. Layton is the CEO of Acamai Technologies. Guys, it doesn't have to be ultra expensive. It can be safer. It can be Akamai. Maybe this is the best way to play this entire digital revolution. Stick with Kramer. If you like NVIDIA, then I need you to do this. I actually need you to go listen or read the conference call. It's a really hard story. That's why a lot of people get it wrong because it's very difficult to understand. Don't be one of those people who buys and doesn't know it. Like I said, there's always been markets somewhere. I'm find it just for you right here on Made Money. I'm Jim Kramer and I will see you next time.